0: This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've been practicing for over 25 years. And I began podcasting last year because I really wanted to extend the walls of my practice to others who might already be in therapy and already have their own therapist, but be interested in what maybe someone else has to say, or to those who may even have stigma against mental illness and not understand what therapy might be like. Today's topic is a very sensitive one. It's on sexual abuse. So please take care if you've been sexually abused And you continue listening. I especially want to thank the people who've left such nice reviews on iTunes. That's really the best way that I can get the word out, or we can get the word out about self work, other than you just telling people. But I get great information. For example, someone writes, I started listening to this podcast when I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder and anxiety. That's helpful for me to know. Someone else says, I appreciate your insight on all the topics covered. Could you spend time talking about dealing with work stress and meeting pressing expectations in all areas of life? Sure, that's a great podcast suggestion. I'd be happy to do that soon. This last one got me a little tickled. I've always heard that podcasts were beneficial, but I was very reluctant to listening to one. In secret, I decided to search for an anxiety and self-help podcast, and Dr. Margaret Rutherford showed up. After scrolling through all the episodes, I began to feel as if your podcast was created personally for me. I've listened to your episodes, many of them two or more times, and shared them. This is so nice. I want this podcast to feel very personal like that. So I try to talk about topics that either I'm thinking about or talking about or my patients are talking about. So you can use it as best you can, whether that's to go back and talk to your own therapist about it or to simply give you some food for thought. So thank you so much to those people who've left reviews, and of course I'd be extremely grateful to anyone else who chose to do the same. Or remember, you can always email me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. As I've said earlier in the intro, we're going to be talking about sexual abuse today, but when the abuser is in your family, when it's your grandfather, your uncle, your mother, and the choice to confront or not to confront. The National Sexual Abuse Organization, Rain, says 34% of perpetrators in child sexual abuse are people they know, are family. I'll bring you some other statistics, and then we'll talk about the choice to confront or not to confront. The listener email today is about abusive parents also, but mentions more verbal and physical abuse. And she asks, do abusive parents ever apologize? So again, thanks for being here. I want to warn any of you who may have been sexually abused before listening to this podcast. It may be a trigger for you, so please be careful. You were told as a child that adults are there to protect you. From the moment you began exploring the world, you heard, give granddaddy a hug. Go to the store with Uncle Andrew. You'll have fun. Daddy and mommy love you, so you trust. It's not a choice. It's what life has opened to you. You're a child, and you learn, and you laugh, you cry, and you're soothed, and so you trust more. Then one day, something happens you don't understand. You know in your gut that it feels different. Maybe you are five, maybe ten. Granddaddy touches you in a way that you've never been touched. Your body feels things it's never felt. You're told to do things that you've never done. The look in Granddaddy's eyes is not the same as normal. He tells you how special you are to him or that he's helping you grow up. You're scared. You freeze up. You just want it to be over. You love Granddaddy. He says he loves you, but something feels very, very wrong. The next day, everything appears normal. You get up, mom has fixed pancakes, it's time to go to school. Hey, granddad is going to pick you up today and take you to soccer practice. Your stomach turns over. Nothing is normal for you. You eat a little bit of pancake and go to school. When granddad does pick you up, he's jovial. He asks you about how soccer practice is going. He can't wait to see your next game and he drops you off. You're left to wonder, will it ever happen again, and pray that it won't. But you don't tell. After all, it's granddaddy. Brothers, mothers, fathers, grandfathers, all can be abusers. All can be sexual abusers. It's the ultimate betrayal. Many children never tell, or they don't reveal their abuse for years. These are the kinds of things I've heard in my office I don't get the way I feel about him. I remember what he did to me, but there are also really good memories. I loved going fishing with him. He taught me about the kind of bait to use. Why did he have to ruin everything? Or, I sit by my brother every Sunday at church, and I cry every week, remembering what he did to me. I'm so scared he could be doing the same thing to his daughters. People have no idea what I'm really crying about. And then this last story. I dread going to Christmas every year because my uncle's there and I will see that look in his eyes like he's remembering. I feel dirty. Guys don't talk about this stuff so I don't know what to do. Women are afraid to tell often fearing that they won't be believed especially when the abuse happened within the family. Men fear more that their masculinity will be questioned and almost all hate themselves for doing nothing. Therapy often includes finding compassion for the child that you were and remembering the powerlessness and vulnerability of children. In fact, let's talk about children and sexual assault. Fifteen percent of all sexual assault victims are children, and one out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her lifetime. It's horrifying to note that male college students are five times more at risk for sexual assault than non-college students between the ages of 18 and 24. And in the United States, every 98 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. All these statistics are from the wonderful organization, Rain, and I'll have their contact information in the show notes. So what's important for anyone that's been sexually victimized to know is that sexual abuse is about power. It's one human being taking control of another, feeling incredibly powerful, manipulating. Obviously using a child for this kind of power trip, it involves a very disturbed sick enjoyment and disdain for their humanity. So what do you do if you're an adult and you remember your abuse and you're trying to decide whether or not to confront. Again, you see your brother, you see your uncle, you see your grandfather. Again, I don't want to leave mothers out. Mothers and sisters can also be sexual abusers. Let me tell you the story about a woman I saw years ago. We'll call her Lacey. Lacey came to me when I was still in graduate school. I was interning at Southwest Family Institute. So I was being supervised by someone at the time. But I was a very new therapist. In fact, I was still obviously a graduate student. And there was so much for me to learn. And I learned a painful lesson with Lacey, somewhat at her expense, I'm sad to say. Lacey wanted to confront her grandfather who had sexually abused her as a child. And we did talk about the pros and cons. And I thought we had done a very good job of preparing Lacey to go talk to her grandfather. But when she came back, she was devastated. She'd been completely re-victimized by the whole experience. And what I realized at that point was that Lacey had an agenda, meaning she thought she knew that if she did X, Y would happen. And what was Y? Why was her relative telling her that he remembered and that he was sorry. That's what she needed to happen. And that need was so great that when it didn't occur, it broke her again. I'll never forget that session with Lacey where I realized that I hadn't really prepared her because I had not checked out whether or not she could handle anything that came at her. That she was fully prepared to hear, I don't remember that, or it was your fault, you shouldn't have worn those short shorts But if she was emotionally invested in the idea that her perpetrator would tell her he was sorry and offer an apology, then that wasn't the right thing for her to do at that time. She was not ready. So that's my advice to anyone. If you're thinking about confronting, make sure you are not invested in the answer, that what's important is for you to confront. What's important for you is to hear yourself say those words in his or her presence. I would highly recommend working on this with a therapist before you confront, just to make sure that you are truly ready. Then there's another sad fact to realize. Let's say you tell your family. You may not even confront the perpetrator, him or herself, but you tell your family. To be frank, a lot of the time you aren't believed by your family either, or you are believed but no one does anything, and the abuse just can sit there like the proverbial elephant in the room. Everyone knows but somehow ignores it. It would take too much effort. It's more important to maintain the status quo. Any information that doesn't fit with what they want their family to be or your family to be isn't welcome. It's too messy. So in that case, you're left with your pain and now lonelier than ever. So think about the choice to even tell family. There may be a member of your family that would be easier to tell and who you could predict would believe you and would give you support. I'm not advocating to not confront or to not tell your story far from it. I'm just saying to be careful and to realize you have expectations That will likely not be met. Healing from sexual abuse is very difficult and takes a lot of time. A lot of my patients are always surprised when I start connecting things to the fact that they've been sexually abused. Their difficulty with trust, maybe hypersexuality, or maybe not feeling sexual at all. Sometimes just the ability to open up and be vulnerable is damaged. When you're hurt again, the feelings you experience may once again emerge, and that's normal. So, becoming aware of the connections between your sexual abuse and your current way of life, your current choices, your current behavior, can be very important, but it also can feel a little overwhelming when you first start. Again, I think it's very helpful to work with a therapist who knows a lot about sexual abuse and trauma work. You can heal. It's a process of weaving the reality of the trauma into how you understand your life. You can learn to trust again, not in a childlike way, but with care. If you think of your life as a tapestry, which has many colorful threads within it, yet darker threads travel through it as well, both give meaning to the other. The healing process does take time, but I've had the honor of watching women and men take this journey There's a woman named Melissa Bradley Ball who's a leader in the field of sexual trauma treatment, and she calls this journey an heroic journey, and the courage I have seen it takes is certainly heroic. So if someone tells you they've been abused, please believe them, especially if it's a child. There are occasional cases of children being coerced into saying they were sexually abused when they were not. But those are much fewer and farther between than you might think. If you have been abused, please find someone you trust to tell. Have compassion for that child within you who needs comfort, who needs connection. That child needs understanding and a way out of carrying a very lonely secret. But the most important message to give to yourself or to anyone else who's been sexually abused, it was not your fault. It was not your fault. Our listener email today is from, she says, a 55-year-old survivor of childhood sexual abuse and then rape about nine years ago. I finally had enough courage to publish my journals of years ago, but I guess I never thought that my family of origin would lash out against me. Maybe I had too high of hopes in wanting my parents to apologize for what they did once I opened up, but I was wrong. My parents live about three miles from me. Both my parents are elderly. I hoped that they would finally look at me and see their youngest daughter, who only wanted their approval and love, but instead, after all these years... They continue to inflict as much emotional pain on me as I would allow. Do you know if parents who are abusers actually do apologize for their actions? I'm finally just starting to step away from them, but it's hard to lose your parents when they are both still alive. That is an extremely poignant and painful statement. So here's my answer. Some parents who abuse their children do apologize, but many do not. One of the things that I find helpful is to realize that parents aren't necessarily withholding something from you, like empathy or compassion or an apology. They don't have the capability of giving it. It's not a skill they have. After all, they abused you, or they allowed abuse to occur to you. It's a little unclear from your email. You can stay hurt and angry, and of course, it is to be grieved that they don't have that skill or those capacities. But in other ways, it can be very freeing. You don't expect to get it anymore. So yes, you have to grieve and give up your fantasy of what your parents could have been that they will never be. But in some ways, when that search is over, it can feel like a relief. Everyone deserves good parenting, but it often doesn't happen. And I'm obviously very sorry that happened to you as well as more recent sexual abuse. I hope that you're getting help from someone who knows about sexual trauma and that you're getting the help that you vastly deserve. I want to thank you all for being here with me on Self Work. I would love for you to reach out to me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I want to get to know you. I want to know where you're from. I heard from a girl from Pakistan this week. That was really fun and very meaningful. She had great questions. But I would love to talk with you as well. I feel like from the reviews, I'm getting a chance to get to know who you are and really speak to you again more personally. And that means a lot to me. There are other ways to reach out. My website is DrMargaretRutherford.com and you can subscribe there where you could get my weekly blog post as well as this podcast and you get a free copy of my ebook Seven Commandments of Good Therapy. Or you can always subscribe wherever you listen. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever. Again, I appreciate the new ratings and reviews. My numbers are going way up and I'm so excited about that. Please tell your friends about self-work. I'm going to be doing more interviews. I hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Stuart Walker, and there'll be more to come. As I've said here on this podcast, I believe we all have our little bit of wisdom. And when I interview people, I'm hoping to capture theirs for you. I'll look forward to joining you next week on Self Work. Thanks for listening. Take very, very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self Work.